Welcome to the Dag Heward Mills podcast. Dag Heward Mills is a healing evangelist, a best-selling author, and a mega church pastor. He's the founder of the United Denominations originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, overseeing over 3,000 churches across every continent of the world. He pastors the First Love Church, a vibrant church in the city of Accra, transforming the lives of thousands of young people Hallelujah. for the Lord. Now, now listen to Dag Heward Mills. Look at, uh, first of all, I'll bring you greetings from England, where we, I was this week, uh, we had a camp meeting for our church in uh, our churches in that part of the world, England, and um, the missionaries who have been sent out from London also come for that camp meeting every year, from Australia, New Zealand, Austria, Birmingham, Nottingham, and all those places, plus UK, Holland, and so on. So we had a very major gathering in a place called Sheffield in England. And it was a very powerful camp meeting, one of the best camp meetings we've ever, ever had. And uh, we thank the Lord. So they all bring their, send their greetings. And um, I believe that the church is moving on. During the program, one significant thing was that there were several people who were opting to become missionaries to anywhere. And um, we have people giving up their... Uh, jobs and their lives, changing their lives to become missionaries. Our pastor in um, Australia, he was describing how he was a lecturer and he was promoted. When he said he was going to be a missionary, then they immediately promoted him at his workplace. So he went for his promotion for just one day and he left the next day. But the testimonies that he was giving were very powerful of how the Lord has blessed him even in Australia. Hallelujah. And uh, I believe that Lighthouse is a church that is supposed to go to many parts of the world. Amen. And we are going to all corners in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you glad about that? Now, today we want to continue sharing about loyalty. Amen. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. Yeah. Matthew chapter 25. Now, verse 21. It says, And the Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Now, why is loyalty so important? Because um, one day you will be rewarded, praised, and acknowledged for your faithfulness. Simple. When I read the history of the church of God, I find out that there are different things that God does at different times. What do I mean by that? What do I mean by that? 
you find out that there is a time that God was really into miracle healing. And that was the most important thing that the Lord was doing. At another time, you find that God is into church growth. At another time, you find that the Lord is into um, teaching. And all men of God become teachers. Or most of them, all the most prominent ones are teachers. At other times, they are evangelists. And so on and so on. There are so many different things that God does at different times. I myself in my ministry, I've seen myself operating like an evangelist when I am at certain places. At other times, I've seen myself becoming a healing minister. At other times, I've seen myself teaching. At other times, I see myself as a trainer of pastors. At other times, I see myself as a pastor of a church. So my question is, Lord, which of these do you want me to do? Because you can't do everything at the same time. For instance, if I want us to have a miracle service now, I would preach in a particular way that would let us have a miracle service. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If I want to have, I want to train you as pastors, like I was doing at the shepherd's camp that we just had in England, uh, I would preach in a particular way and for a particular length of time. If I want to uh, build you up uh, to, to receive, uh, what do you call it, uh, encouragement, I would preach to you as an exhorter. So which one is important? Are you with me? Now, I am finding out from the Bible, from the word of God, that God has said very clearly that at the end of the day, when you appear before him, and he gave you five talents, ten talents, twenty talents, whatever talent, you will be rewarded for being faithful. In fact, the comment that will be made on your arrival will be about your faithfulness. It's about your constantness and reliability. Faithful means constant, reliable, dependable. Amen? It means we can depend on you. It means you are constant. It means you are there all the time. Amen. And, and it means, and so you realize that what quality God seems to be most concerned about is your reliability. Which, you know, myself, I have come to find that, you know, in working with people, having to employ people, uh, one of the things that you are looking for is somebody who is reliable, he is dependable, that if he said he loves me, right, in, in a year's time, it will not change to, he loves me, but... Because of two and two, he doesn't love me so much anymore. Do you understand? So, you really, you're looking for somebody who tells you, I love you when he's here with you in Ghana. And maybe one day when he's in America, he should still say, I love you. That is, the, that is constantness. Amen. Somebody who, when, you, when he says, I'm going to serve the Lord and I'm going to teach faith, you find him reliably teaching faith for the next hundred years till God calls him. So, that is what we'll be rewarded for. And that is why loyalty, you know, is so important because God will reward us for being loyal to his word, to him, to our churches, to what we say with our mouths, to our spouses, and generally in life, being a loyal and faithful person. So, you notice, when you get there, he will not say, well done, good and talented, good and talented person. 
congratulations for being talented. No, because the talent you have is what God gave to you. The talent is not your talent. The talent you have or the gifts or the abilities you have in the first place are things that are en- you are endowed with. God, you wake up and you find out that you can do certain things. You find out you can sing. You find out you can preach. You find out you can give money. You find out that you can help to build. You find out you can do so many things. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, what has thou that thou did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? Even the fact that you are breathing, when you see a dead body, you realize that it is wonderful that this thing keeps working. And when you see, like a doctor, you see somebody's body, and you see your body, you realize that the difference between your body and his body is that his is working and yours has, his has stopped, but yours is still going on. And yours will also stop, but when? So, you realize that even the life you have is a gift from God. Youthfulness is a gift. As you grow older, you will find out that there are things you cannot do that you would have done when you were younger. Being single is a gift. If you are faithful when you are single, you'll be faithful when you are married. Being old is also a gift because not everybody is allowed to grow old and exist in his old age to minister. So everything we have is a gift for God. God will not reward you for having those gifts or having those talents. God is not going to reward you for being 70 years old. God is not going to reward you for, for being a good singer or being a good preacher. God is not going to reward you for having given an offering. God is going to reward you for being faithful or constant with whatever he gave you. Whether he gave you 10 or whether he gave you 5 of his gifts or whether he gave you 3 of his gifts. So it doesn't matter how much you seem to have or not have. What is important is how faithful you are with those gifts that he gave to you. That's important. So, if you woke up, Pastor Tiaku, and you found out that you are not a bishop of a hundred churches, right? Huh. All you have is less responsibility. Yeah. If you know what spiritual authority is, and what responsibilities go with certain things, you would never even pray for it. What your duty is, is to wake up and say, you know what, what have I been given? Everybody here must ask, what have I been given? What have I been given? It's good. What have I been given? What do I have? What has been placed in my hand? It may not be as much as Benihim. You wouldn't want to be Benihim. You don't know what he goes through. You're a woman and you are married to Kofi, and you wish you had been married to Benihim. If you were married to Benihim, you may have a different life. You may, you, you may wish you hadn't married him. So, whatever you have, your duty is to be faithful with it. But there are a whole lot of people, and people say, Oh, I'm not doing anything bad. But you see, many people have packed their gifts in the garage. And you just watch the church as the church moves on. And as God does his thing, you sit back and you watch us. 
You sit back and you don't sing. So you sit there, you could sing. You sang before. You sang before and now you've retired. How come you are retired? And your reward is going to be because I gave you a talent or an ability to sing. And you stop singing after, after four years. You stop singing when you got married. And, and that means you are not faithful. You are not loyal to the gift and the calling that God gave. Because you stopped after four years. As soon as circumstances changed a bit, you changed like some politicians. First they were NDC or they were MPP. Then they realized that you know, before the election, nobody knew that NDC could lose. So they moved from MPP to NDC. Then when MPP won, they put two and two together. They realized that when I consider certain things, I don't know when NDC will come back to power. The way things are going. So decided, let me go back to MPP. Now these are people you can say easily are not loyal to anything. They are not faithful. Because circumstances just have to change and they will change with the circumstances. They just have to be a change in their life. They just have to marry or they just have to have a child or they just have to go to a new country or they just have to have a new job. As soon as anything changes, forget it. But God will reward you not for all the thousands of cities he gave you but for how faithful you were with the thousands that he gave you. So stop looking at her and say, well, I do more than her. Because if you have 10,000 and she has 1,000, and she has been faithful with her 1,000, you look at her with your 10,000 and you maybe you gave 3,000 and she gave only 300. So you look at her and you despise her. Thinking that when you look around and say, I've done more. You haven't done more. Perhaps she has done just as well as you have or even better because with the little that she had, she has been faithful. Look at Luke chapter 19. One of the causes of disloyalty is the smallness of God's gifts. The smallness of the gift of God. Luke chapter 19. And we are going to read... Verse 12. And a certain man, nobleman, went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. Amen. And he, verse 13. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till till you are tired occupy till you feel like stopping occupy till when till I come once Jesus hasn't come you dare not stop occupying your place and your position some of you should be occupying seats up here on stage in the choir we should be queuing up to be in the choir we don't, we don't, we, we should be struggling. Uh, we, we don't have enough space on stage to sing. 
And, and when, he was, when the bishop was building the church, he, he put space only for 200 choristers. But there, there are 380 of us. And, and we are only allowed to, to go on stage once because there's no space. We should be fixing new chairs here. Because you are queuing to come. It's interesting that in Palestine today, they are queuing to become suicide bombers. Yeah. Yeah. They are queuing to, to become suicide bombers. In my next book that I'm, I'm a, a book I'm going to write on sacrifice, I've, I've got a picture of a suicide bomber. He's dead now because he, he, he did his bombing. And you see him sitting there reading his final speech. His final speech before he went. And you see that there are a whole lot of them. They covered their faces with bombs around them. They are standing there waiting. And they spend millions of dollars supporting the families of these people. And if you go to Palestine today, more than probably more than 70-80% of the people there believe in the suicide bombing as the right thing to do. So, for instance, in the recent suicide bomb, they showed on, uh, I don't know, CNN or BBC, they showed the family of the bomber who were also weeping and crying because their son was dead. But they know it. And even though people can see the sorrow and the tears and the crying, they are in a queue to be blown up for God. It's a wonderful thing. And Christians have retired. Not for being bombed, but to sing for the Lord. Or to be an usher. Or even to give tithes. They are tired of it. Occupy till I come. It's occupy for three years. Occupy for a year. Occupy till I get married. One of the deceptions of that lead us into unfaithfulness and disloyalty is the deception of the smallness of the gift that God gives to everyone. Notice, notice, Luke chapter 19. Occupy till I come, verse 14. But his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, that he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, all the singing gifts. Amen. To whom he had given the gifts. Hallelujah. To whom he had given the money. You see, money also, you've got to be faithful with it. Your tithes, your offerings, because every dollar and every penny you give is going to be used and you will account for it. Your abilities, your mouth, your voice to speak. Somebody said, oh, my voice is not a gift. Your voice is a gift. I read about a pastor who developed cancer of the throat. And when they were doing the surgery for the cancer, Normally, they should have removed his tongue as well. They had to clear out everything that was there, including his tongue. And he told them, if you take away my tongue, I cannot work anymore. I cannot preach. 
You can take everything, but don't take my tongue. When I read that, I said, I've never thought of a tongue as a gift. Have you ever thought of your tongue? You paralyze your tongue and see if you can talk. You can talk. So the fact that your mouth is, is, is able to be open and to be able to speak is a gift from God. I said, it's a gift from God. And the mouth is shut. It was open when you first became a Christian and you were full of zeal. But after, after three years of zealousness, it's closed down. It's closed. So occupy till I come, not till you are tired. That is why, and this is the greatest problem of Christians. And that is why God is solving it in your life today. Amen. And it came to pass that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him, to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first saying, Lord, thy pound has gained ten pounds. And he said unto him, Well done, thou good servant. Thou hast been what? Faithful in what? In a what? A very what? Little, in a very little, or in a very little thing. In very little. Very little. Very little. Everybody say very little. Have thou authority over ten cities. Oh man! You, your faithfulness is required in, not Kezia, not in, in some great something, but in very little. That is why we often put it down. Somebody said, if I'm not in the choir, they won't notice. Because when I contribute my voice to the choir, it's one out of a hundred. So my contribution is very little. But you see, this is where faithfulness is required in very little. When Lighthouse started, many of you are watching me now. Some of you even watch on television. And so, that's a great man of God. This was the whole church. And they were all young, young, young people. Little girls. How old are you? 17, like this one. No husbands, no wives, no jobs, no cars, nothing. Very little. Because thou has been faithful in very little, come and have authority. Some say, unless I am preaching in this pulpit. It's not likely you will preach in this pulpit. It's not likely. It's a reserved place. Amen. That's the position that God has given to me and I give it to whom I will. Amen. Don't think about being somebody else. Think about yourself today. Think about yourself and ask yourself, what has God given me? There are people here who can help this church financially. There are people here who can say, I want to print a book, one of your books. I want to print 10,000 of it because I'm so touched by that book. There are people here who can say, look, I want to give a car to the church. I don't know whether you need a car for anything. Here's a car. Use it for whatever. There are people who can do more, 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 but you just watch. As we stand and we talk about missionaries we are sending here to Kenya and to Uganda and to this and to that. And you just watch and, and you just wish me in your head, good luck. There are people who could sing. 
There are people who could play instruments and they watch. And God is saying, look, be careful because your judgment day is coming. You and I will stand before the throne and God will ask us. And someone say, hey, me, I'm not Benny Hinn. Me, I'm not Billy Graham. Me, I'm not Ranhard Bonke. Me, I'm not Bishop Hewitt Mills. I'm me. Yes. God is not going to judge you for what he gave me. Amen. He's going to judge you for what he gave you. And I pray for myself because these days as I realize, I realize that look, even though you may see a lot of churches and a lot of work, maybe I've done about 40% of what I'm supposed to do. So maybe you with one talent, you are far better off than me as I'm standing here. If only you'll be faithful with it. If only I can find a, a, a regular person whose commitment will be, I am and I am there till the end. Nobody here would like to marry somebody who marries you for three years. I take thee to be my wedded wife, wedded husband, for the next three years at least. <laughs> the Lord help us. You'd like that, isn't it? You. That's what you want. Is, is that not so? You want a good husband for at least three years. Yeah. You see, she's confused. God doesn't want a worker who worked for him for three years. I, I, I don't think you hear that. I said God doesn't want a worker who works for him for three years. God wants a worker who will work for him faithfully. Let the rain come. Let the sun shine. We'll be there. We'll be there. We'll be there. Let the Lord bless us. We'll be there. We are not afraid of blessings. We will be there. I said we will be there. Amen. Now, as we go along as Christians, now all that I said is really just an introduction to tune you to know why loyalty and faithfulness is so important and I'm preaching about it more and more. Anytime I preach about loyalty, I feel a special anointing because I know that it's something that God has also called me to preach about and to teach about. Amen. Amen. Now, as we go along, we develop sometimes disloyalty or unfaithfulness. And there are stages in the development of this unfaithfulness. The first stage or stage number one is what? An independent spirit or in Spanish, espiritu independiento. Is that not so? The second stage is the stage of offense or in Spanish, what? Offensa. Learn the Spanish one too so that in case you go for an interview and somebody says, can you speak Spanish? You say, espiritu independiento. And then you get the job immediately. And the next one is a stage of what? Passivity, which we have been sharing about for some time. Is that not so? And what's the next stage? Have we talked about that? No, we have not. All right. So now, I want us to go on to this important uh, de deception, the deception of criticism, or the deception of being a critical person. The deception of being Criti critical, criticizing. And we are going to read from two passages, the book of Numbers and the book of Psalms. Now, which one should we read first? You choose. Numbers, okay. A lot of people say we should choose Numbers. 
Now, Numbers chapter 12. Now, we are, the next stage after critical is the stage of the political stage. Alright? And we will be dealing with a bit of that as well. Amen. Now, political stage involves... Um, when people are involved numbers chapter 12 Miriam and Moses spake against Moses Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Has he not spoken also by us? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. And the Lord spake suddenly unto Moses. When you criticize people, God will speak suddenly. I see you being delivered from such a thing. Amen. The Lord spake suddenly Amen. Unto Moses. The Lord came unto Moses and unto Aaron and unto Miriam. Come out ye three unto the tabernacle of the congregation. And they, came, they three came out. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forth. Verse 6. And he said, Hear now my words. If there be a prophet among you, I the Lord will make myself known unto him in a vision and will speak to him in a dream. My servant Moses is not so who is faithful in all my house. Amen. Is he, he is what? Faithful in all my house. Amen. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently and not in dark speeches, and the similitude of the Lord shall he behold. Wherefore then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them and so he departed and the cloud departed from off the tabernacle and behold Miriam became leprous white as snow and Aaron looked upon Miriam and behold she was leprous turn with me to Psalm 131 Psalm 131 let's do the Bible readings first and then we will move on Psalm 131 Lord my heart is not haughty nor mine eyes lofty. Neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother. My soul is even as a weaned child. Surely let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forever. Alright? Now keep your hand there. And let's look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. Now, if you, look at, if you are not in the New Testament, quickly turn around and go to the New Testament because Philippians is in the New Testament. You are lost if you are around Malachi and Exodus. Philippians 2, 14. Do all things without memories. Without what? Memories and dis 
few things. Verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Amen. And finally, let us look at 2 Corinthians. Sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 5. But with many of them God was not pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were for our example. To the intent that we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. Are you with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 10? Are you there? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's easy to find Corinthians because it's quite big. Verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as some of them. Where as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Verse 8. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Verse 9. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Verse 10. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for what? examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come amen i have read four different scriptures all right and you will notice here that criticism is a generally a very bad thing not only in your church or about your church but about any area or any general area in life, it is not good to be a critical, complaining person. Because it is a negative thing and a negative feeling. Amen. There are some people who are against everything. It is not good to be against anything and everything because... Even what you are against has some positive sides to it. Even in the, in the realm and arena of politics. You may not like this. And this is one of the problems that I have. That is why I find a lot of people who argue in politics that they are often blinded, critical people. Because in every negative thing, there are a whole lot of positive things. You understand what I'm saying? Because you may have a government which is very bad in terms of human rights and so on. But it's also good in terms of its relationship with the poor and relationship with villages and so on. You may have a government which is very good with human rights, but you can't eat human rights. If you are hungry, you can't eat human rights. (laughs) They may be good with human rights and so on, but they may not care about poor people. They may be so high-minded. So... A negative person never sees anything good about anything. Anything at all. And it is a deception which God wants to cure you out of. Because there are people who say, I will not criticize my church, but I criticize my boss. You know what? If I worked at a place where I was criticizing my boss, I would resign. Read, read, read Philippians 2 verse 14. It says, do a few things. No, do all spiritual things. 
do all academic things. Do all things without memories and, and what? Disputing. It's like, what is a dispute? It's like we are settling an issue. There's a dispute over something. So it's like some argument or some sorting out of issues. And there are some people who are deceived into thinking that every time they dispute what the pastor says or they dispute what the government says or they dispute what that guy said, they are wild. So they feel they must argue, challenge, dispute. It is a horrible and terrible deception. Deception number one, a critical person is a harmful person. Write it down. People don't know that a critical person is a harmful person. It's a dangerous person. Anybody here who employs people, try to find out secretly if people criticize you behind your back. Find a way of finding out what people say when you are not there. Find out. Find out. There are a whole lot of people, I know they say this, or they say that, or they say that. Because of what I know they say about me, I consider them to be dangerous people. And I keep them at the right place in my life. Oh yes. I know people who smile with me, who laugh with me, who come around, sit in church, claim to be members of Lighthouse, and you have them saying all sorts of things. I know some of them. Because the Bible says, cast not the king, no, not in thy chamber, for the birds of the air will fly and tell the matter. So there are things I know you may not know. The other time I was shaking hands with somebody, I said, I, just, I was just thinking, you know, because I was remembering what the person had been saying about me not long ago. That had been reported to me in, in detail. And the person said, oh, Bishop, hello. I said, oh, hello, how are you? Your mouth, you, your mouth. <laughs> dangerous person notice Philippians chapter 2 verse 15 it says verse 14 says do some things do how many things all things without memory and dispute what's memory memory is undertone or low volume criticism or disputing low volume the volume is low that's what makes it memory memory just speaks about the volume how many have been in school before and the, the prefect said something or the teacher said something and then the students started to say, uh, yeah, that is memory. Recently, I, I was at a meeting and as I was speaking, some people were standing in another chair. They were talking and I said to them, don't speak whilst I'm speaking. Don't talk there whilst I'm talking because as I'm talking and you are having that conversation there, I can interpret it in one way or the other because what I was talking was a very hot issue and I knew that they were not happy with what I was saying but I was saying it anyway because they were not paying me. You know when people don't pay you, you are free. I was teaching the people about the 10th ministry in England and Paul said, I did it to be free. I didn't collect pay so that I could be free. Because when people don't pay you, and your life does not depend on what they give you. You are free to say what you need to say. Amen. Are you still around? Yeah. Now, a critical person is a dangerous person. Suck them if you get a chance. Get rid of them if you get a chance. You don't, you don't want to have such people near you. 
No, you don't need it. You don't want it. I'm telling you. You don't want it. If you are a pastor and you have such a person near you, huh, pray about it. Verse 15. Why should you not murmur and why should you not dispute everything that comes up? Because that you may be blameless and what? Harmless. Harmless. That you may be blameless and harmless. In other words, people are sinful and harmful when they murmur and they grumble about you. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Look at the bad things he's saying. Crooked and perverse. You would have thought that he's meaning homosexuality or immorality or whatever. But he's talking about memory. Memory. Talking. Criticizing. Now, so the first thing you must know about criticizing, the deception of criticism is that when you criticize, you are not a constructive person, but you are actually a harmful person. Some people say, I'm criticizing to, you know, try and correct certain issues. You're not correcting anything. And if you didn't appoint me, it's not your duty to correct me. If I'm wrong, it's you, your, your position is like a child. If a child is, a, a parent is wrong, and a child, it's not a child's duty to come and correct the parent. That's not your place. There is somebody for correcting a parent, but not the child. Just as a shepherd and a sheep. If I'm wrong, or I'm doing something wrong, I make a mistake, your duty is not, it's not your place. It's like a judge. Who is passing judgment? The one whose duty it is to pass judgment is the judge and not the people sitting in court. You can't get up and say, he's guilty. Sentence him to four years imprisonment with hard labor. No, no, no. It's the judge who has that privilege. Only the judge can say that he's guilty. I mean, the jury can say that he's guilty. But the judge can also say that he's guilty and can say how long he should go to prison for. Not the people in the, in the court. You don't have that right. God is the eternal judge. He can judge me. He can judge you. That's why the Bible says, judge not. Because your judgment will be, will be perverted because you don't know everything. So your, your place is not to judge. It's not your role. You're out of order. I say you're out of order. You're out of step. You're in the wrong place. You're talking about things which, which you don't qualify to talk about. You must earn the right to speak into somebody's life. You, 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 must, you must grow into... There are certain things I can say to you. If Pastor Johnny comes to preach here, he cannot say those things. Because he does not have the level of authority that I have over my congregation as I do. And if, for instance, one day I am dead and gone, the person who will stand in my place or who will be here as the leader will not have that extent of authority that I have over the church because he did not found the church. <laughs> Maybe I'm leaving you behind now. I hope you're understanding what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, you earn the right to be able to talk. And if I have brought you up in the Lord, or in the ministry, or whatever it is, it's, uh, it's not your place to, 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 to be correct like Peter. When Peter, Jesus said he was going here, he was going here. Peter got up just because a few minutes ago he was asking him his opinion about what people think and so on. Now he was now saying to Jesus what he, Jesus, will be doing on earth. That he's not going to die here, he's not going here, he's not going here. That as long as he's here, Peter is Peter. 
the one whom the Holy Ghost has revealed to him that he's Christ and as somebody who has been raised up he's now telling Jesus what must be done Jesus realized that he had he has stepped out and the rebuke he gave him I've never rebuked anybody with that rebuke before since I was born he said to him Satan 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 you are out of order shut up are you the one who brought me I've trained you you a fisherman useless man like you I've trained you I've trained you everything today you are now telling me what to do it's a terrible presumption presumption in the dictionary means an arrogant assumption of privilege you arrogantly assume you are supposed to speak or to have something that maybe is being given to you as a when jesus asked what do you think it's a privilege that he sat down with you to chat in a relaxed way and ask you your opinion it's a privilege don't now assume that you're supposed to say things that you don't qualify to say it's terrible pride second evil thing about criticism is that it is a terrible it's a manifestation of terrible arrogance and pride terrible arrogance for you to criticize somebody who is doing something for the work of the lord and the next deception that is that it is a step out of order amen now it is proud people who criticize from today when you hear somebody criticizing remember what i'm telling you that it's what kind of people oh you're not you're not minding me anymore it's what kind of person proud proud people who criticize read it from your bible don't believe me if there's i tell you things that are not in the bible don't believe me i'm just a man best psalm 131 you open i told you to keep your hand at psalm 131 go back there what does it say lord my heart is not what haughty 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 nor mine eyes lofty haughty and lofty next time you have a dog you can call it haughty and lofty husband and wife haughty and lofty so you always remember psalm 131 or if you have a cat two cats my cat is pregnant i'll call the children haughty lofty <laughs> as it suits cats i think cats are haughty and lofty it says lord my heart is not what haughty no mine eyes lofty neither do i exercise myself in what great matters or in things in things what too high for me there are some things that don't concern you one day i was preaching and i asked somebody about something i said what is your opinion i gave him the mic what do you think about this and you know what he said he said i don't think about that <laughs> i mean i was asking him the spiritual sunday morning i was preaching and i asked him so i gave him so do you think it is haughty or do you think it's lofty or what does haughty mean or lofty mean? what do you think it is is it haughty or lofty when i asked him he said i don't think about that <laughs> so 
Next time somebody asks you about matters that are so high, just look at the person and say, Brother, I don't think about that. Yeah. What's your opinion? Should pastors uh, divorce? I hear some pastors are uh, divorcing and certain things. Well, the pastor, so what do you think about it? What do you tell the person? I don't think about that. Simple. Simple. I've told this story 18 times. I'll tell it 18 times more. Kenneth Hagen, he said where he learned not to criticize. He went for a convention. A whole lot of pastors. People were gathered. And there was the general superintendent. He came. I think one of the pastors had gotten involved in some problem. And the general superintendent blasted the guy and they sorted it out and it was quite some way. So the next day he came for a meeting and some pastors who arrived late for the convention came to see him and told him that, you know, they hear that last yesterday, this is what was said and that this pastor had done this and so on. And so he, Papa Hagen, what does he think about what the guy said and what the pastor who made the mistake did and what the superintendent or bishop or whatever said. What does he think about it? And you know what Kenneth Ken Hagen said? He said, oh, I the word he used in the, in, the, in the book was, I concur. It means I agree. I agree with what was said. I agree that this was this. I agree that that. This guy was wrong. This guy should have sorted him out. And so, so I agree. So that was the end of the program. Then he went home. He said it in the night at about around midnight or somewhere. He said it was dark like midnight black and suddenly a light came on in the room a light he said the light was like sunshine just in the room remember when paul was traveling and the bible said a light shone around about him and a voice came from heaven and said uh, 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 so so why persecutest thou me and so said who are thou it was the same thing and so the, 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 the light was shining in the room. And then listen to what the, a voice came out in the, dark, in the light and said, Who art thou to judge another man's servant? A person who had just said, I agree. A person who had just said, I agree. I think so. It's true. Yeah. Me too. The voice came a second time. Who are thou? That judges another man's servant. And then the voice came for the third time. Who are thou? That judges another man's servant. And then the light went off. He said from that day, he has nothing to say about anything. You can do whatever, but he has nothing to say about it. And that is why you notice through all the problems that happen in the American church, you will hear big, big men of God saying things, but you never hear of Kenneth Hagin saying anything. He has nothing to say about anything anymore. One day, somebody came to tell me about two great men of God whom I really love. And the two men of God were fighting. So he asked me, what do I think about that? 
I said, brother, you know what? I don't think about that. <laughs> you want me to say something? I don't think about that. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to know. Let me concentrate. I have my own problems. It's a terrible manifestation of your pride. For you to criticize me, you're not criticizing me. You, you, you now feel that you're not, you're not criticizing the way I preach. You feel I don't have enough scriptures. Some feel that the scriptures are too many. Some feel that, okay, you've preached about loyalty long enough. We want something else. Some say, how many times? Why don't you talk about marriage? Why don't you talk about faith? Why don't you speak about love? Why don't you t- talk about this or about that? It's too long. It's too short. Why don't you stay at one place? We want to see you. You walk around too much. Somebody even said, I wear the same shoe every Sunday. And you know, if I was to wear different shoes every Sunday, that one would also become another topic. Because I've heard, one day I was sitting by and then the pastor, I was sitting by and then the pastor came by and he was wearing some white shoes. And, <laughs> you know, the person who was sitting by me said, you know, this man of God is a Nigerian. Or he has been to Nigeria before. Every Nigerian pastor has a pair of white shoes. So, so you realize that people are just giving commentaries and talking about useless things. <laughs> oh man. So you are now criticizing. And you know why people speak? They feel they have a right to speak. They feel they are good enough. They feel they don't have that problem. Like Miriam. She felt she didn't have a problem because she had not married an Ethiopian. But you know why Moses married an Ethiopian? Because Moses was sent away. He ran away from Egypt. And he was living in the wilderness. And he was undergoing special training. And out there, that was the only wife that was available for him for those 40 years when he was in the wilderness. You, God has not called you and has not sent you to any wilderness. So if you are going to marry an Ethiopian, it will be a different thing. So in God's eyes, maybe that Ethiopian marrying situation may not be the same as you, Miriam, if you were to go and marry an Ethiopian. The way God will see it will be very different because the circumstances which led Moses to go and marry that woman are different from the circumstances which you are under. It is only the man who carries the pot to the river who breaks a pot. If you don't carry pots, you'll never break a pot. So people sit down and criticize and talk and say, it's because you have now become so proud. You can make comments. You are talking about it. You are sure that you know it's a manifestation of arrogance and pride. Pray that you never be involved in such an evil thing. Amen. Can you understand what I'm talking about? Yes. And then, finally... Anytime you, the, the deception of criticism is that anytime you are criticizing someone, you will end up criticizing yourself. Because you find out, you may find yourself doing what you were criticizing one day. Amen. Amen. Now, as we end this service, Decide you will never criticize. 
You see a lady, she's going to marry an unbeliever. Shh. Look at that girl. Instead of walking with the Lord. Instead of walking with the Lord. She's going to marry an unbeliever. Even the guy is a Muslim. She has fallen. I didn't say it's right to marry an unbeliever, but I said, you are lucky that even you are where you are. And look at that girl. This is the sixth time that she's coming for abortion. It's not right, it's wrong. Nobody's saying it's right. But as you point, (laughs) you may find yourself at a place. Because you see, pride and arrogance comes before you are not with me. No, you, you, you didn't get it. I want you to finish it for me. Pride and arrogance and the manifestation of pride and arrogance is what? What is a manifestation of pride and arrogance? Criticism. You know much so that now you are criticizing Bishop Ajinasari. Bishop Dikewood Mills. Bishop Duncan Williams. Reverend Otabel. Reverend Ankara, you know so much. Now you are criticizing Reverend Azori and Reverend So and So. Because you've started a church before and it grew beyond seven members. <laughs> because, because you know everything. Because, because you've, been, you've been married for 25 years. When somebody has been married for 20 years, you know what it is, isn't it? Thank you. We would like to hear from you so that you teach us. It is a terrible manifestation and it will destroy you. It says, neither member as they murmured and were destroyed. You didn't see that part, eh? <laughs> Read it. I don't think you saw it. I said, neither member as they, 1 Corinthians 10, as they murmured and what happened? They were destroyed the destruction came with the memory underline it verse 10 it is self-destructive i've never seen albert i've never seen a prosperous person who criticizes people i've not i just haven't seen one before i've never seen a loving flourishing prosperous blessed person who is critical I, i just haven't seen one before I haven't seen, I haven't seen it. She's fornicating. She may become the next lady pastor. I know a whole lot of pastors, when they remember those old days, it's only another blood. You will destroy yourself. One day, one of the leaders of the church, one pastor, got into a problem. Man, you should have seen how he broke the guy down. 
and criticized him. It wasn't easy. The man, and sometimes the things look right. So you feel so, I mean, it must be right. Because what happened was that a lady was pregnant in the church from the pastor. Isn't it wrong? Isn't it wrong? I don't think about that. You better not think about that. This guy, he talked and talked and talked. You know, and there are some people, eh, you know, when they criticize, eh, there is something about it. It's almost as though they are inspired. No, I, I think they are, you see, because it's demons, they, they, when they talk, you, you, you realize he's a person and, and he's really making some points. Oh, man. It's because of the demons sitting on the shoulders. This is one of the best Christian leaders I've, I've known. The next time I heard of that guy, he also had a girlfriend with whom he had a child. Apart from his wife. The next time I heard of him, he was doing occultism. The next time I heard of him, he had cancer. And the next time I heard of him, he was dead. Oh, yeah. Because, you see, he was so able, not because, but I'm saying that you must be careful that you don't look at somebody and have so much, so surely, to say, it's not right. And pray for yourself first, that by the grace of God, God, keep me from these things that I'm seeing all around me. Help me, Lord. Help me. What did I, that's what happened to Isaiah. And that's why sometimes God has to reveal things to pastors. Isaiah was preaching in chapter 5. Whoa, whoa, what to them? What to them? What to them? They are this, they are that, they are this, they are that. What to them? What to them? Then in chapter, God was listening to all his sermons. Then in chapter 6, God decided to just reveal himself to Isaiah. So he revealed himself. And when Isaiah's eyes were open, he saw the Lord. Then he looked at himself and he realized that he, the pastor, he, the preacher, even though it seemed that he had not done some of those things, he was in terrible danger himself of judgment. So instead of saying, woe unto, he forgot about the people that he was preaching. When you go home, go and read Isaiah chapter 1 up to chapter 5. From chapter 6, the message changes. It's a different Isaiah. It's a softer Isaiah. It's a more self-reflecting Isaiah is an Isaiah who is looking at himself carefully before he opens his mouth with a rod to put it on somebody and to say you sentence you to death do this do that do that life and experience will tell you be careful careful now so Isaiah said woe to me I'm dead he said I am I am a man of unclean lips he didn't say they are men of unclean. I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell among a people of unclean lips. I am hot. Let us learn that criticism and is a manifestation of pride. And if you start it, you will fall. Mark it. If you criticize, you will fall. Because criticism is a sign of being haughty and lofty. That now you can, you can correct the man of God, you, can, you are now correcting your father. I was listening to somebody as he was, as he was, she was criticizing her mother. 
know some daughters can really criticize their mother. One day I said, then I told her, look, you haven't married yet. Oh. You haven't married yet. Do you know what it means to be married? When you marry, you may, you may realize that certain things that your mother was saying, <laughs> yours is even worse. So, be, before you, you haven't been there. Then he said, no, but the word of God says, the word of God says, the word of God says, please, young son, you are criticizing your father. When Abraham dashed his wife, he gave up his wife to be raped. His, his wife, the king of Abimelech, wanted, his, his, he saw that the, Abraham said, Look, even though you are old, no people will be attracted to you. So when I put two and two together, it will be better that I'm alive with you, I also alive, than for, for them to kill me and take you. So if they come your way, give up. Abraham was dashing his wife to be raped by unbelievers, unbeliever kings and all their households. Abraham, Abraham, the man of faith. You know Abraham. You know Abraham, Abraham, the guy who gave Isaac to be killed, Abraham, that's the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> and when he came, he gave up his wife. It was, an, it was God who spoke to the king to release the wife. Maybe Isaac would have got up, maybe Sarah would be chatting with Isaac and look at what your father did. Isaac also, later on, he was also moving through the same situation and he also came to the same thing that his father did. He also said, he told his wife, Rebecca, you know, when I put two and two together, they can easily kill me. So he, gave, he also gave up his wife for rapings by unbelievers. Before you realize, you will do what you have seen. That he said, this thing, A, B, C, D. So, be cool. What are you learning today? To be I don't think about that. It's the best answer. I've not thought about it. Pride comes before. That is why all the things they did said they fornicated. Fornication does not involve pride. That's why they, the, the, the distraction came when they murmured. Fornication involves humility. Memory involves pride. <laughs> you, you, you didn't hear what I said. I said fornication involves humility. Oh, you've not thought about that before. Also, don't think about that. Think about that. Fornication involves humility. But memory involves pride. As soon as they remembered, they were cut down. It says so that you will not be harmful. That you'll be harmless. There are people in this church who are harmful to the church. They shouldn't be here. That's why I mean, if I find you that you are not loyal, you are not happy, you are not whatever, I will show you the direction, the bus route. How to take taxi, what bus you can take to the next good church. There are times I preach in church, I've shown people, do you remember? I've shown Central Gospel is that it's also a very good charismatic church. Maybe it's even better than Lighthouse. Uh, Royal Bible Church, just after the church You don't have to go far. Then when you get to Circle, what miracle, they have a good branch there. I'm showing you direction to a place where you may be happy that you will not criticize. Somebody came criticized me, said this and that and that. I said, you see what? There's no door here. Just move out. And those who believe will stay and they'll be blessed as they stay. So decide to have a good spirit and a good attitude. And do not murmur. When you murmur, your next one is what? This fall, distraction. 
I'm saying is theory, but one day you will feel you have a right to memo. Things will, things will be having said, eh, the bishop should take his time. The way he's dealing with these people. This and that and that. Why this and that? Why ban on drumming? This. We've had situations like that. We are in a church. It's not a, some of you think I'm talking about mysteries. I'm talking about real things. Opportunities will come. Election time will come. Why is he talking like that? And this and that. Careful. <laughs> Before you realize something will happen to you, 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 you. go and ask Miriam. Go and ask Miriam. You know Miriam, Miriam, the one who sang, what's that song? Uh, the Lord has triumphed, he has thrown a horse and rider into the sea. Miriam, you know her? She was a member of the church. Don't you know Miriam? Miriam is the one who was singing, the worship leader. She's the one who had the leprosy. You know her? Pray for a spirit of loyalty. God will reward you for your loyalty. God will reward you for your constantness. And you will go up to the highest level. You know, one of the greatest blessings that I have seen the Lord giving me is not to say bad things about even when I see bad things. Oh, I see. And I know. But I have nothing to say about it. I just pray for myself that God, I beg you to really help me. It's not that I don't see. It's not that I don't know. It's not that I am not sure whether black is white or white. Black is black. White is also white. They are different. But I pray for myself that, Lord, help me so that I will not speak about things that are higher than me. I accept that it's higher than I am. And I will just trust myself into your hands so that I will make it in Jesus' name. Lift your hand. You are going to make it. Lift your hand. Father, thank you that we are making it. We are making it. We are making it. We are making it. We are making it in the spirit of loyalty, faithfulness, honesty. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody stand to your feet, please. The presence of the Lord. Father, we thank you. No clapping, please. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for your spirit. Blessing us, Lord. Blessing us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Pastor, maybe somebody invited you to church. But before you can get into the work of God, before you can move on with God, you've got to be born again. Today on this special invitation Sunday, we want to give you an opportunity to know the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, except a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. This morning, God wants to give you a passport, visa, ticket to heaven. And except you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Today, if you stand here and you don't understand what it means to go on again. In other words, if you are to die tomorrow or this afternoon, you don't know whether you go to heaven or hell. You want to say, Pastor, please pray with me. Help me to know you. I realize that I'm a sinner, but I want to give my life to Jesus today. If you are here like that, Pastor, pray with me. Lift up your right hand, and I'm going to pray a special prayer with you as we close. God bless you. God bless you. Lift it up all over this room. I want, I want to give my life to Christ. Maybe somebody invited you, but deep down, you know you are far away from God. Pastor, please pray with me as we close. Just stand wherever you are. And just lift up that hand, and God is going to touch your life today. God bless you. Upstairs, I see your hand. Lift it up high, wherever you are. Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I want to give my life to Jesus. God bless you. As every hand is lifted up, I want to invite you, those who have lifted your hands, to come to me 
in the front. Just step out from wherever you are standing. Come from the back. Come from upstairs. Come from the side wherever you are. Come to the front. And I'm going to pray with you this morning. God bless you as you come to the Lord. You lifted up your hand. Come all the way. Today is your day of salvation. Today marks a turning point in your life. Your life is being transformed. Today is a turning point in your life. God bless you. Amen. All right. God bless you as you come. We're waiting for a few more people. Amen. Keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Amen. God bless you. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Now, those of you in front here, look at me. Are you glad that you have an opportunity to set things right with God? Huh? Are you glad that you have a chance to straighten your life with the Lord today? Amen. Let's pray. Say this prayer with me and join us. Say, Lord Jesus, today I realize that I am a sinner. Please forgive me for all my sins. From today, from today, I humble myself and I receive Jesus as my master, as my savior, as my Lord. Lord Jesus, please wash me in the blood. I receive you, Lord. I accept you, Lord, as my savior and my Lord. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Please write my name in the book of life. From today, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Visit www.daghewardmills.org today for more audio and video messages, information on upcoming events, and so much more. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to receive new messages every single day. And remember, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind.